0: 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything, but in every situation, let God know what you need in prayer and request, giving thanks to Him. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine in front of other people, that when they see the good that you do, they would praise your Father in heaven. I'm reading those from uh, a translation. That you may not be familiar with. And I'm just going to encourage you to um, be reading scripture like across a number of translations so that God might speak to you in fresh and new ways. And God might speak to others in ways that um, you wouldn't be able to speak. So, what does it mean for us to not be afraid? What does it mean for us to um, read Acts 18 and read there? You know, don't be afraid to speak out don't be silent. I am with you. Um, Or for us to acknowledge from John chapter 10, hopefully you're reading the gospel of John with us in the lead up to Easter. It's not too late to join us. You can go to MyFaithRadio.com and and still participate in uh, our reading of the gospel of John. We started on the 24th, so we are about halfway through the gospel at this point. Um, but it 's not too late right you 've got some time, so read the Gospel of John with us in John chapter ten. You know Jesus just describes this thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. people are feeling robbed right now of of their security of their some of them their meaning and purpose because it was attached to the things of this world or to a particular job or a particular status, which is now lost, and they feel robbed, but Christ has come that we might have life. And have it to the full. And that doesn't mean what the prosperity gospel has been telling people. Let me just tell you, right now, people who've been following the prosperity gospel, they feel the rug ripped out from under them. Like that transactional method, uh, that has been proven to not work. Everyone is vulnerable and susceptible to the consequences of the fall which is a part of what disease is. Disease is a consequence of the fall of humanity. It is a consequence of sin writ large. Not anyone's particular sin, but sin writ large. And so all the blame casting that you see going around, that's because people want somebody to blame. Well, the reality is blame rests upon sin itself. And there's only one solution to the sin problem that we have, and that's Christ. And it doesn't mean that every disease is healed here and now. It does mean, it does mean that the consequences of sin in death are resolved and the power of sin in this life is handled. And so um, I just think that we need to be gospel people in fresh and new ways today. And we need to be lifting up uh, Psalm 119 and Acts 18 and John chapter 10. And um, there's... There's like literally 100 psalms we should be lifting up. I mean, on and on and on. These incredible passages of Scripture that enable us to have conversations with people today that they have not been ready to have until now. And now they're ready. All right, I also want to celebrate um, some of the things that people are doing at home. So I have a friend in Tampa. Her name is Beth. And she's very busy um, sewing together these these masks. So, have you heard about these make-at-home masks that people are engaged in? Um, there is a piece posted about this nationwide effort of people at home sewing masks um, to uh, to meet the need uh, across the country for healthcare providers and others on the front lines to have the masks they need. So, this is an at-home effort to help meet the need for masks. You can check it out. Um, at worldandeverything.org. Great, great story po- posted there about make-at-home masks. And then just a little shout out to my friend Beth in Tampa. Um, and by the way, she needs one inch h elastic. So if you're a person who's like been hoarding one-eighth-inch elastic, now's the time to free that up for all these people that are making these masks at home. If you've got some, uh, email me, Carmen at com, because, right, we ought to be working together to resolve this particular shortage so these masks can get made at home. All right, uh, next up, Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Uh, we're going to talk about, yeah, no surprise, COVID-19. We'll be right back. Me again today, Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can find them at cmda.org. Dr. Stevens, welcome back.
2: It's good to be with you, Carmen. You brought back some memories of cloth masks. I used to use those all the time when we were missionaries because we couldn't afford paper masks back in those days, and they work pretty well. So it was great to hear about this, uh, your friend Beth making those.
0: Yeah, her biggest concern was that, right, she can't go to like Calico Corner and buy fabric right now because they're shut down. Um so um so her ki- you're going to appreciate this. Her kids said you can use our bed sheets from college because we're not going back there till the fall. <laughs> well
2: so, my wife's been ordering material online. She's quite the sore. So uh yeah, she uh, some get to the store, but the store's getting to her through Amazon, I think.
0: So I just love that. I love this effort and people are really pitching in and everybody's doing their part. The heaviest burden is actually is uh, obviously being borne by our healthcare workers. We would love to have um, an update from you today just on the impact of those engaged on the front lines of health care today in America um, in terms of this pandemic.
2: Well, I, I know this very personally, because not only are over 30,000 healthcare professionals we work with, but my own son-in-law is a intensivist and uh hospitalist in a hospital and uh, dealing with a lot of these cases, uh, Fast fact, diagnosed the first case in their hospital, and now that's rapidly increasing. So, yeah, you know, it, it's challenging. Uh, the lack of supplies and protective equipment is still an issue, though it's improving. Um, it's difficult because... Um, they're losing some of their staff who get the coronavirus, and then you have to work harder. He's already picking up extra shifts, so it, it's a very challenging time. But at the same time, it's just a, a marvelous opportunity for Christian healthcare professionals to uh, to show Christ to others. I, I think of Second Corinthians six, uh, four and six, where Paul's talking. And he says our work. Is as God uh, has uh, validates us, uh, gets us validated or not in the details for people are watching us as we stay at our post alertly, unswervingly, in hard times, bad times, when we're beaten up, when we're jailed, when we're mobbed, when we're working hard, working long, working without eating, with pure hearts, clear heads, steady hands, and gentleness, holiness, and honest love. And that describes what many Christian healthcare professionals are doing across the country and doing innovative things. One of our members runs a big uh, domestic mission and in inner city clinic in Birmingham, and they pioneered and started a, a roadside testing uh, people in cars at a church and literally testing thousands and thousands of patients and pioneered that in the whole city. So you, you see all these stories of how people are using the innovation that God is giving them in their minds and hearts and the determination to serve others and putting their lives at risk to help others.
0: All right. Are you—this is my my Birmingham person who's been on the um, show—would be Scott James. Are you connected? That's right. We love him. We we. I mean, I have him on actually to talk about like children's books, which I know seems silly, but um, he's an elder at his church and he writes um, really wonderful books for kids. And the latest one was on wisdom. So we had him on to talk about that. Um, yeah. And so I just appreciate that you're connected with him. That's awesome.
2: Yep. Yep. It's uh, it's exciting uh, what's going on in the midst of this crisis. You get these glimpses of God moments where people are having the opportunity to touch lives, touch hearts, when people to Christ and uh and serve uh very sacrificially in the midst of the crisis there's a lot of fear out there and you you've talked about this and uh you know I've been through many epidemics as as a missionary and as the head of medical relief for Samaritan's Purse and the verse that really uh, helped me is Second Timothy one six. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And that sound mind is to, to take reasonable precautions, do what you can to protect yourself and protect others. But there's a limit to that. You you can't you know you can't lock yourself in a sterile room when you're taking care of people. It's risky. And then you show love. That's what people people are more wanting to know you care than you can even cure and that's true in medicine and with our healthcare professionals yes you want to be an excellent physician nurse or whatever but people need compassion they need uh, a touch they need love they they need to see that you really care for them as an individual and opportunities to pray for them to uh, to put a hand on a shoulder, even though you got a glove on it, and and uh, to to really touch them with uh, the compassion of Christ, and then God gives us the spirit of power, and and it's His power in these situations. And I've I've been in situations where I didn't know I could put one foot in front of another for another day, working day and night, trying to take care of people in the midst of meningococcal meningitis epidemics, HIV. And malaria epidemics. I remember one time in our little 135-bed Bush Hospital, we had over 500 patients, and each one of them had a family member with them because we only had six trained nursing staff and three doctors for 480-some patients. And, uh, you know, you just say, how can I keep going on? But God's power is there to, to give you clarity of thought and wisdom and, and how you ration your time and who you see next and, and uh, to help people. So this is a time, you know, I, I say, Carmen, that faith is a spiritual muscle. And it gets flabby flabby unless you exercise it. And in this time we're in right now, we are strengthening our faith muscle uh, as as we exercise our faith for our families, for our communities, for our church, and uh, for our whole country. And uh, this is an opportunity that God's given us to show his light to others.
0: Dr. David Stevens and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to address maybe one of the biggest fear questions that I hear from people, and that is about rationing. So that's up next here in my conversation with Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can find him at cmda.org. Continue my conversation with Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can find him at cmda.org. Dr. Stevens, um, people are afraid, kind of afraid to go to the hospital. They're afraid of what they're hearing about supplies running out and the rationing that may be coming in terms of treatment. Um, there's a rising fear related to um, do not resuscitate uh, orders that they feel like maybe are going to be applied to them. T- talk with us just about the ethics of what's going on right now and then how you're seeing this unfold, uh, particularly here in the United States of
3: America.
2: Yeah. You know, when you have an epidemic like this, you can overwhelm your resources of personnel, of medications or respirators, you name it, and you get to a point where you're put into a very difficult position. And fortunately, in this country, we haven't faced that. I mean, there's always someplace else to send someone in the past and um, or another resource that we could get a hold of uh, if we didn't have adequate places where we served. And now we're getting to where that's the case in New York City. I just read an article this morning of where uh, instruction to the emergency room doctors to to use their judgment uh, very carefully on who they put on a respirator because every time they put someone on, there's one less for someone who may need it more. You have to make these judgments, and I've had to make them. I, I did that as a missionary doctor in relief situations, not based on age, not based on the number of chronic illnesses you have, you know, whether how important you are. <laughs> what power you have or anything like that, you, you have to make those decisions based on the medical facts. Uh, certain patients come in and they are uh, are so far into their disease the, the likelihood that they're going to survive even with uh, a respirator uh, is is very questionable. And you have another patient comes in at the same time that uh, needs a respirator, but looks like uh, they, they could survive. And, and you have to make the decision which person's going to get it. Uh, that shouldn't be a reason people don't go to the hospital. Um, it, but it's it's the reality that's coming, especially in New York City right now, and could be in other places in the country where the medical system is just overwhelmed. And and those are heartbreaking decisions, but they have to be made. You can't ignore them. You have to make a decision: who's going to get what when you have a limited supply.
0: So that just brings us, um, you know, just immediately to worldview conversations. Um, we we just live with a whole lot of people in this country who don 't they they for some reason don 't see that reality that there is a limit even here in the United States of America um, to to resources and to how far those resources can be stretched so i 'm not asking you to comment on that i 'm just making that observation. We do have a question from a listener i 'd love to hear you um, address her husband um, and we 're going to give thanks for this that he has a job that 's going to continue um, He works construction, which is deemed essential. Um, And she's wondering how best to not only keep him safe and healthy, um, but probably to keep their family safe and healthy as well.
2: Well, he should be very careful uh, to stay and not get too close to other people, especially for any length of time. Six feet away is best. And, and, And if you are there. Especially watch out for people that have upper respiratory symptoms or coughing, sneezing, and that type of thing. Wearing a mask doesn't make any difference, and you can't do that doing construction anyway, uh, that type of job that requires that kind of effort. Uh, and then I would take a um, a bottle of hand gel with me and use it. I'd try not shake hands, not touching other people. And then as you come home, uh, you know, my my brother-in-law is an engineer that heads up the electrical service in an area close to us, his wife requiring him to take his clothes off in the garage when he comes home for lunch and and later and then wash up real well when he comes in. She has an immunosuppressive disease and uh, so taking extraordinary efforts. But the main thing is to wash very well soap and water everywhere that's been exposed. Perhaps take your clothes off if you've been around anybody that's been infectious and uh, and get those laundried. And, uh, and just be extra careful because you've been out in the community. You're the vector to bring it into the home. And uh, being uh, very cautious. I-, I walked into the studio day with a Clorox wipe and wiped down the microphone and the phone. <laughs> and, yeah, I pretty uh,
0: much take one. I pretty much just like take one with me and I just wipe anything I'm going to touch anywhere, the door handle at the post office or the right. touch pad at the gas station. Like, I'm just like, well, the places that I'm going, um, the stuff's going to be wiped down, and I'm hoping other people are doing that, too.
2: Yeah, and you're helping other people by doing that. It's not just to protect you. You're protecting the next person that comes along. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a new lifestyle, but, uh, you know, you get one opportunity not to get that get this disease and that's the next time you touch something and so where other people have been touching them and so it's just have to be added careful this is going to pass we're looking probably another couple months of uh, pretty severe uh, uh, restrictions um, and it's going to get worse before it gets better Um, but there is an end in this insight and we're seeing some curves of new infections and deaths beginning to bend a little bit Uh, but this is going to be the long haul. We're going to be dealing with this and perhaps all again in the fall. So uh, it's something we're just going to have to, like when World War II broke out, you couldn't change the situation. You just had to learn a new lifestyle of how you lived, and the same is true now uh, with COVID-19 until we get a vaccine.
0: Dr. Stevens, we appreciate what you're doing, um, and we appreciate that you continue to stay um, abreast of the issues. We also just really appreciate the way that you bring Scripture and the faith to bear on these conversations. We need that. We need that hope. We need that encouragement. We need that perspective. So um, thank you so very much. I want to invite um, those of you who are in the healthcare profession, um, to please check out uh, the Christian Medical and Dental Association, cmda.org. Also just a great place for those of us who are not medical professionals to go. Um, it gives me great fodder for how I should be praying or how I could be praying for people literally on the front lines uh, as healthcare workers today. So Dr. Stevens, again, thank you so much. Thank you, Carmen. We'll be right back. All right. this is a reminder that this coming saturday at 9 a.m i don't know if it's a reminder it's kind of like a first-time announcement for a lot of people this coming saturday at 9 a.m from 9 to 10 a.m Susie larson and i are going to be hosting a live call-in show right here so you're going to want to write down the number i don't know why the number wouldn't already be saved in your phone where you could also set an alarm for saturday at 9 a.m so you don't miss a moment of this the number you should have saved in your phone for Carmen is 877-933-2484. We use it as the text number during Mornings with Carmen, but it is also the call-in number this this coming Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m., 877-933-2484. Susie Larson and I, a one-hour live call-in show. Why are we doing this? Because we want to hear from you. We want to pray with and for you. We want to hear stories of encouragement. Um, of how God is touching your life in this time, how He's using you as an agent of His grace, as an ambassador of His kingdom, um, those places and spaces where we need to be lifting one another up in prayer and encouraging one another. We want to be a source of hope and encouragement to you. So go ahead, mark your calendar. This coming Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m., Carmen Leberge and Susie Larson, uh, I don't know what we're calling it yet. This is an hour of hope. I don't know. I'm making stuff up now. All right, put the number in your phone, 877 2484 Look forward to talking with you then. Up next I've got Heath Adamson. He's the author of The Sacred Chase. We've had him on before. Today uh, we have just like this new attention that all these people are, pay- are paying to God and so I want to talk about how are people chasing God now and how can we help them? How can we help them find the God who they are chasing? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
1: Max LoCato here. I love what Chuck Swindoll always says that God is not sometimes sovereign. He's always sovereign. The challenge that awaits us is to not give in to despair, not do foolish things, but to trust. The key question that we all need to be asking right now is what is God saying to us? I think he's talking to the whole world. I think he's telling us that our priorities have gotten misplaced. We need to dislodge those priorities and and return to our Heavenly Father. I think he's calling us back to himself. I do, I do. Is this a signal of end times, as some people are saying? I do not know. But I do know that God is doing something in the world, and he's calling upon us. He's talking to the whole world. We're going to get through this. It may not be quick. It may not be easy. But God is going to use this for good.
0: In you, Lord, all, the day be all right, joining me now, Heath Adamson, on the official release day of the book, the Sacred Chase, Moving from Proximity to Intimacy with God. Heath, welcome back.
3: Hey, it's great to be with you again.
0: It, we should have, like, there should be a little fanfare, because the book is <laughs> uh, is now out.
3: Yeah, it's it's a special day. It's really fun.
0: So I want to invite people to go to heathadamson.com, where you can actually download a study guide, a four-session study guide for the book, The Sacred Chase. It gives you an opportunity to read the book in... Um, uh, in conversation with others and not only study it for yourself, but uh, but have conversations with others about how they are chasing God, how they are moving from proximity to intimacy with God in these days. Um, Heath, let's remind people, I know you have been on before, but you know there might be people listening now who weren't listening then. Let's just remind them about the premise of the sacred chase.
3: Yeah, you know, um, at the end of the day, each one of us have a deep longing embedded within our heart Um, whether we know Jesus personally or we are a pre-believer, but we all have an insatiable desire to connect with God. Um, But also each one of us are as close to Jesus as we want to be. And the Sacred Chase um, focuses on one story uh, found in Mark chapter 5 about a man who had thousands of distractions, thousands of reasons why he could assume or presumed that God would be embarrassed to be around him, Uh, many reasons telling him why shame was the truth. Um, This man was tormented by thousands of demons, so much so he actually forgot his name. But the Bible tells us that he saw Jesus in the distance, and his immediate choice was to run and pursue the Lord. He began the sacred chase. And the point of the book is this, that um, we are surrounded by distractions, often at times that even seem reasonable and logical. But with a mere glance, if we will dare to look, Jesus will captivate our heart, and we can begin the greatest of all pursuits that always ends up in us receiving the prize, which is a deep connection with God.
0: So I love the book. Um, I I found some, uh, some details in here uh, about that particular story that You know, I just acknowledge that I had missed or misread or misunderstood um, in the past. I just it's it's very just the illumination of that one story is really profound. Um, But I would say even more acute, Heath, is sort of the the questions it provokes the reader to ask of oneself. And it occurs to me that uh, people are now awake and looking up and wondering because of this coronavirus, because of this pandemic um, many people who were living what you and I have talked about in the past as a Christian branded version of uh, of the faith, they now realize uh, they were pretty hollow and they don't, although they were proximate to God because they were very involved in churchy things, um, now that they are responsible for their own worship, their own family worship, their own daily rhythms with God, they're discovering that this is a God they don't actually know. Um, talk about this particular time as just being really ripe for the sacred chase.
3: Yeah, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, right now, people are not going uh, on Sunday morning to church. They're not able to participate in life groups for the most part. Um, and if they are, it is through a live stream or a video. Um, and we are faced with this reality that we are as close to God as we want to be, um, and that that the primary individual responsible for cultivating that intimate connection with God that God so desperately longs to have it's it's not our pastor um, it's not our spouse, it isn't our life group um, it is ourselves um you know, there are probably a lot of people who are realizing right now, okay, wait a second, you know what, something is missing. Now is not the time to feel guilty or ashamed. Instead, now's the time to um, accept the invitation. God is drawing each one of us closer and closer to his heart. And during a season like this, where maybe God's voice at times is difficult to hear, I would suggest it is still possible to be close enough to God to where you feel God's heartbeat. And um, it it is it is Um, an opportunity to discover that it's one thing to call ourselves a Christian and find ourselves immersed in a Christian subculture, um, but it's a very different thing to discover that um, when God created the universe, he did not uh, do anything other than speak a simple word. But when God created humanity, God did not speak. God scooped up a mound of dirt and breathed. We were, we were created for the very breath of God. That means that we were created to know God so intimately we can actually feel God breathing on the back of our neck. So to everyone listening, accept the challenge. Uh, rather than just binging on Netflix, rather than you know just uh, doing whatever it is you plan on doing to fill your margin, take some of that margin of time you now have and invest it into cultivating a deeper connection with God? His answer is yes, I can tell you that.
0: I'm talking with Heath Adamson about um, a book, The Sacred Chase, Moving from Proximity to Intimacy with God, but really talking about the activation of where I move from thinking or knowing about God to actually experiencing a relationship with God. Um, Talk about that. I mean that is a that is a pretty significant move for a person to make where they where they move from uh, the the proximate knowledge of God to the intimate friendship and relationship with Him.
3: You know it it's not it's not always easy, um, and one of the things that happens when we begin to say yes to the Sacred Chase it requires a level of vulnerability that that most of us are not comfortable with. Um, what I've learned, though, is that God does not bless who we pretend to be. God does not necessarily bless who others perceive us to be. There's a blessing that exists when we just step in to the shoes God created us to fill. Um, there's this, um, this opportunity we have, if I could put it this way, to be vulnerable and authentic and refuse to listen to what is often the loudest voice, which is shame and guilt, But the loudest voice is not always the most important one. And instead, rather than daring to believe some of the lies like, you know what, if God really got to know me, he wouldn't be that interested. Or sometimes we are tormented by some of the decisions we made in the past. There are people today who sat down, they tried to pray, and they have a flashback to something they did 10 years ago. Um, I'm learning more and more that shame and guilt rob us of the simplicity that exists um, and that is necessary to really connect with God in an intimate way. The pivot begins with a simple glance, just like the man on the shore of Gadara in Mark chapter five. It says he saw Jesus off into the distance. And if anyone had a reason to assume that, that his pursuit of Jesus uh, would be difficult or unwelcomed by God himself, it would have been this man. But it was a simple glance And what I'm learning more and more, Carmen, is that if we will dare to look at who Jesus really is in the Gospels, and we see that he does not turn people away because they have a a tainted past, Jesus does not look at people and judge them uh, because of some of the ridiculous uh, decisions that they've made, and at the same time, Jesus loves people enough to tell them the truth. And if we will dare to believe that truth really does set us free— like the Bible says, then being vulnerable and authentic, being who we are, and pivoting and beginning that pursuit of the heart of God is something that will truly take our breath away.
0: I'm going to continue this conversation in just a moment. I'm talking with Heath Adamson. We're talking about the sacred chase, moving from proximity to intimacy with God. You can download a free four-part study guide for the book by visiting heathadamson.com. We'll be right back. Continue my conversation with author Heath Adamson, today is the release day for the Sacred Chase, Moving from Proximity to Intimacy with God. We want to invite you to visit heathadamson.com to get the four-part study guide for the book. You can download it for free. Um, Heath, I, will, I, I can share with you, I have told Tilly's Beach Story, and I have told the Starry Night story, um, as told in the book, uh, to others already. Um, and I've also taken note of um, the geography that you describe in relationship to where this man possessed of all these demons, where he was physic where he was living. Can you describe the geography, the, the setting of this story and what comes immediately prior to Jesus's, you know, the boat landing there on the beach where um, where this man meets him?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I love Scripture. I am so thankful that God has given us the Bible. Um, A mission I have in life is to make it uh, cool and exciting for everybody in the world to just fall in love with the story of God written in Scripture again. And this is a great example as to why at the end of Mark chapter 4, Jesus invites his disciples to get into a boat. And what are they going to do? They're going to cross the Sea of Galilee. They find themselves on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, and a storm breaks, and that storm is so violent and tumultuous, it actually blows them off course approximately 13 miles. Uh, That's a fairly violent storm. Um, What's interesting during that story, and it's a story perhaps that some of the listeners have heard before, and if not, it's okay, we all start somewhere, but Jesus, in the middle of this violent storm, is sleeping in the bottom of the boat. I've heard somebody say once that, why could Jesus sleep in the bottom of a boat in the middle of a crazy storm? And it's because this person said, Jesus learned how to live in a world that never had storms. Jesus wakes up, he speaks, peace, be still, the storm is calmed. But nonetheless, Jesus and his disciples find themselves coming to shore in a place called Gadara. Gadara is named after a Semitic word called gator. It means wall, uh, according to the Talmud. This is where Balaam encountered an angel and, for lack of a better term, kind of ran into a wall. Uh, But Gadara also gets its name from the cliffs surrounding the area. The cliffs were steep, jagged, raw. In many ways, it serves as a perfect backdrop and metaphor for what is about to happen. And this gentleman who ends up running to meet Jesus on the shore of Gadara, the Bible tells us he found his home in the tombs, or another translation says caves. These are little limestone caves, about six feet by three feet by two feet, hone into these limestone cliffs on the shore. But this is where cadavers uh, were placed. It's where the dead bodies, it's where um, they were also rumored to be haunted. Uh, It is where criminals hid out because even the Roman soldiers were leery of going into these caves. They were that creepy. Uh, The Bible says this man lived in the caves. And it also tells us that day and night this man cried out. Now that word cry out literally means to scream and shriek. So the caves and the cliffs and the lake serve as the perfect amphitheater for the man's cries. Uh, ironically, across the way from the cliffs is a steep embankment where swineherders kept their pigs. And at this time in history, Romans used pigs in their religious sacrifices. Pigs were unclean animals to members of the Jewish faith. So here's this man. He's surrounded by symbols that talk about uncleanness and pagan worship and death and desolation. And it is in this very place where the storm blows Jesus and his disciples off course. And rather than getting back into the boat and saying something like, guys, we need to get out of here. This is no place for the son of God to be. I love that Jesus got out of the boat and he began to walk. And he does that with you and I too, Carmen, when he looks at our life and he sees things that are desolate, arid, perhaps even areas of our life that are dead. Rather than being repulsed or offended, Jesus comes our way walking directly towards us because there's no such thing as darkness, only absence of light. And wherever the sole of the feet of Jesus um, walks, dead things come to life. And that's exactly what happened with the man who called himself Legion.
0: It's an extraordinary story, and it comes to life um, in in, in its details that you suss out, um, and I just want to just applaud you and, um, and tell you how much I appreciate that. It does help us um, access the scriptures in a, in a very personal way. So the book is The Sacred Chase, Moving from Proximity to Intimacy with God. The author is Heath Adamson. You can uh, download a free four-part study guide at heathadamson.com, and the book is available today. Um, so, Heath, yeah. thank you so much for helping us um, develop, a, a, a actually, just amplify or fan the flame of our desire for the sacred chase. We all want intimacy with God. Many of us have proximity to Him, but not genuine intimacy. And you are inviting us to to chase after that. Uh, I I do love the observation that we are as close to God as we want to be, and I certainly want to be closer to Him. So, thank yeah. you. Thank you, Karma. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right, friends. So you and I are going to spend today in ways that might um, be a little bit different than our regular routine. Um, I'm making the observation that there's just a whole lot more people in my space than there normally are um, on, on an average day. For you, the reverse might be true. Like, right? I'm I'm used to working from home, but I'm used to working from home and being the only person doing that. I now have all the other people who ordinarily just eat and sleep at my house, um, also here all the time, and uh, and homeschooling is now an extended experience and potentially to the end of the year. And so, um, as we see the the state of Virginia now extend its stay-at-home order through June the 10th, we recognize that uh, the idea that any of us are gonna only be in this for a couple of weeks um, is, is probably a little naive. So uh, you may be in day two or day 10 uh, of your stay-at-home order, depending where you live in the country. If you live in the state of Tennessee, the your stay-at-home order begins at midnight tonight. So we're all gonna learn from one another in this process. We're all gonna do Easter differently this year. Um, and yet God is still God. He's on the throne. Uh, that has not changed, nor have the essentials of our faith. So let's spend some time in the Word of God today, and let's bring the hope of Christ to bear in every conversation. You can do it. You can do it. You are more equipped than, uh, than you realize. All right. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio.